Let's just open our hearts. Father, we thank you, your word. Powerful, living, effective, fruitful, life-giving. Lord, I thank you that your word is breathed into us, Lord. It's not just external to us, but you have put your spirit in us to reveal your word to us, to reveal Christ to us, and to cause us to really move with you in every area of our lives. Father, we just submit to you today, and we honor you. We honor you, not just with our lips, but Father, we honor you with every part that we have. We, we, we say no to every uh, mindset that sets itself against the knowledge of Christ, and we bring our minds in submission to you. We bring our minds in submission to you, Jesus. We, we just thank you for your love, your goodness, and your mercies today. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, well, we've got a, we've got a few uh, uh, props around the place today. And uh, we're starting this new series called it Miracle Grow. And you know, I don't know about you, but it, isn't it nice when a little bit of weather changes and you start to see the flowers in barge, you begin to see uh, the trees actually with leaves on them rather than just twigs. And you, uh, uh, the weather gets a bit warmer. Yes. <laughs> the sun comes out even better. You know, it's our skin is designed to have sun. You know, there's a promise in Scripture. It says that the sun will not harm you by day. So no skin cancer is allowed in Jesus' name. Okay? We need to receive that. Nor the moon by night. Haven't worked out how the moon affects you. No howling at the moon, thank you very much. But, you know, the reality is that the season that we're in now is a sign to us of what has been happening. If you're like me, your garden doesn't have a lot in it. Our neighbor mows our grass, and, but Claire and I kind of did a bit of tidying up. Well, send the kids out to do that. But the atten- attention that we spend in our garden is pretty low. We can tend the, the back bit of our garden, but to be honest, we haven't had the time. We, it's not really our forte. Gardening is not my thing. <laughs> There's agreement here. <laughs> but what is it? The result that we're seeing now is actually the previous couple of months' worth of work, isn't it? That a garden is the outworking of a farmer or a gardener's plan of action. They clear, they clean, they, they set things the way they want them, don't they? You don't generally, unless you want a lot of work, plant mature plants. You plant what you want it to become. Because the reality is, if you get these plants... They're nice and uh, nice small ones here. But they're never going to grow very well like this, are they? In this little pots, all crammed together, these plants, they look nice. They're nice and colorful. But the reality is there's no lasting life staying like this, is there? 
That's not the design of God, is it? God's design for us is to flourish and glow, that we would be a planting for the Lord's glory, a planting for the display of his glory. You and I are to display God's glory. So, uh, so as we were just, you know, I was thinking about this, I just was thinking about those, that work to get even these tiny little plants, these little marigolds, looking like that was the result of someone sticking some seed in the ground or cuttings or whatever it was that they come from. <laughs> Demonstrate my complete ignorance. <laughs> However they came to be was the result of someone actually doing some work. So I wonder today, are you ready for a miracle? Because to get your miracle requires some work. What you put in place will determine the size, level, and timing of your miracle. Actually, the word says it's up to us. Hmm. It, the word actually determines this. So I just, I just want to just start thinking about this as we, uh, as we get into the word right now. I just want you to turn to uh, Matthew 13. But I'm going to read it out of the truth version. Because I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes when I read a scripture that I really know well, I could probably say this scripture virtually off by heart without having to read it from here. Uh, my mind can close off. So it's a good thing we prayed and we opened our minds, yeah? So let's just read it. I'm just going to read it from uh, the truth version, okay? Later that same day, this is starting in verse 1, Jesus went to sit by the lake and large crowds gathered around him and he had to sit in a boat while the people remained on the shore. And it, he, he explained many things to them in parables. A farmer went to sow his seed. As he scattered it around him, some fell on the pathway and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where there was no depth to the soil. At first it grew quickly, but because the soil was so shallow, the plants were soon scorched by the sun and withered <coughs> because they did not have deep roots. Some of the seed fell among thorns, which also grew and choked the plants. But some of the other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a good crop. These seeds multiplied, producing 160 or 30 times the amount that was sown. He who has ears open to my word, let him hear and understand what I say. I mean, you know, even, even though we're in our modern age, I think we can understand the, 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 the way farmers work, sowing works, yeah? We're not ignorant of uh, how a farmer sows seed and expects to get something back. So, you know, the disciples, they came to him and they said, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, the revelation of the secret things of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to everybody. Whoever has what I give will be given more until he has an abundance. But everyone who does not have what I offer will lose even what he does have. Everything will be taken from him. 
I spoke in parables because it's written, though they have eyes, they do not see, though they have ears, they do not hear or understand. So the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled in them. You will keep on hearing what is said, but never understand. You will keep looking, but never receive the revelation placed before you. For a hard skin covers the hearts of these people. They can hardly hear anything with their ears. They have closed their eyes to the truth. This was not the case. If this was not the case, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts. Then they would turn to me and I would heal them. But your eyes are blessed because you do see, and your ears are blessed because you do listen. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men of the past longed to see what you now see, but they never saw it. They longed to hear what you now hear, but never heard it. All right. Well, just, just keep your thumb, we'll put a marker in your Bible there, because we, we might go some other places, and we'll, but we'll keep coming back to here. So, real, real simple. You know, Matthew 13, the, the, it's real simple what's happened. A farmer went to sow... He threw out the seed, it landed on the ground, but the harvest was determined not by the seed, but the ground. And this is, you know, this is such an important part for us to understand, because often we think about, it's the word, it's the seed, you know, because this is what it says. It says here, it says that the word, that, that seed is the word. It is the, it's the message of the gospel. It is the word of life. It's the, it's, the, it's the words that Jesus himself spoke, that he said that the prophets spoke what they heard. They heard something being spoken that they were able to write down but they did not understand what they were writing down. That's, that's interesting. In other words, you can hear from God, but not understand what you're hearing from God. If the prophets of old longed to look into the things that they were writing, we're talking godly people. How much more do we have to understand what God is trying to speak to us in our time and in our season? And it's the miracles that we are looking for are based upon the word, are based upon what he says, then it's not just read his word, confess his word, and you'll get saved. Okay, because if we read that and we, uh, and we look up uh, Romans 10, when it says, it says, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. It's not just, I know it, therefore I'll speak it out and I'm saved. There is a working together of knowledge and speech. But we're going to come on to that a little bit more in a moment. But it's not just, do you know the word? Faith works because there's some basics in place, aren't there? Faith requires some very simple things. It requires a seed. It requires soil. It requires water 
and sunlight. Yeah? Anyone disagree? Is there anything wrong with those um, gardeners among you? Uh, those are experts in the law. Four basic things. The seed won't work without soil. It needs something to grow in. It needs an environment in which to grow. You, can't, you don't just water seed. If you water seed that's got no soil, does nothing to sustain the seed, it's life. Yeah? And what we just read is that it falls on the path, actually, it says that the enemy snatches it away. It's because it's not able to go in, it just sits on the surface. Even though there's rain, even though things happen, the birds of the air see it, take it. It's interesting, that's what it says of the devil that he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, this is, this is how he works in our lives. He tries to take the word before there's any life happening. But even if there's life beginning, he wants to make sure that he kills that life and then not only kills it, but absolutely destroys to make sure that there's nothing could happen to resurrect it in you and my life. It's interesting how they order, steal, kill, and destroy. That's the way the enemy works. It's not enough for him to kill you and me. He wants to make sure that the legacy that we leave is destroyed as well. Because God's intention is always, with a seed, should multiply seeds. Okay? So the life in the seed, the word, is supposed to produce life and seeds in us. The soil. See, the soil it refers to, it says it's that soil is our hearts. So it's a message about the kingdom. It's a message about the gospel. And we know in, in John, John 6, uh, 63, Jesus said, my words, they're spirit and life. You know, he's, he, he, yeah, he challenged the, the, the rulers. He said, you've taken the word and the way you operate, you make it so, so heavy, so legalistic, that you'll go to the utmost ends to make sure that people are constrained and killed by it. And you get one convert, and you make him a son of Satan. That doesn't sound like using the word right, does it? That sounds more like kill, steal, or steal, kill, destroy that the way the word is used against us is to destroy our faith, not build our faith. Does that make sense? That God does not want us to misunderstand his word. He wants us to learn how do we get hold of the word that is supposed to bring us life. His word, is a, you know, it says that the knowledge the knowledge of the secrets is given to us. There's something hidden up, put there, that there is going to actually create something different. But what and I want to really point out to you is that these Proverbs, Jesus spoke in Proverbs because it was a test of the heart. That there was something there that would, if, and this is the big thing, 
if you would look into it, would produce life. You see, a seed, I, have, I forgot to bring the seeds. I've got some mustard seeds at home that I meant to bring in. I forgot them. This seed, it's dormant. It's got the potential for extraordinary things. An apple seed, an orange paper, uh, uh, you know, a banana seed. You know, you can hardly see the things, but the seed is, it's got everything in it. it. The seed does not need anything added to it to produce all the life. It just needs the right environment to grow. So the word contains everything we need for life and godliness. The word, a Bible, it's, it's our source, it's our foundation, it's our bread, it's our meat, it's, it's sustenance, it's vision for our lives, it's, 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 how to, it's how to discipline your kids, it's how to, how to work with a husband or a wife, it's how to sort out a, a noxious boss or uh, landlords or, or kings and uh, governments. Everything in his word has some part for every part of our life. There's no part of it irrelevant. So, what does it say? It says they, they hardly hear. They hardly hear. It actually says that their hearts, in verse 15, there's a hard skin covers the hearts of this people. Do you know what? One of the biggest things that as a preacher I have to do is represent truths that you already know and that actually God's been hammering at my heart with as well. Because our hearts, you see, a callus is a hard bit of skin. It's where something has been wearing. You've been, it's been working on you, but the friction has produced a, a soreness, and your body has responded in a way by producing thicker skin, dead skin, actually, hard skin, and what it actually means it desensitizes you to what's trying to affect you. So parables, Jesus said, they're, they're written in such a way that you see something and you don't even bother looking at it because if you looked at it, you would see how much is in there. The word, when I began Matthew 13 and you thought, hang on, what's Matthew 13? Some of you would have known it was the sower, parable of the sower because you know the scripture locations. But some of you, as soon as you open your Bible, parable of the sower, I know what he's going to preach. I, a couple of weeks back, I, I spoke on um, Malachi, but I did all the promises in reverse without actually telling you what the scripture was. Because if I'd said Malachi, the ears would have switched off to what God was actually trying to speak and challenge. How often do we think, I already know that, yet I've got that one. Yet, what Pastor Claire said a couple of weeks back, you know, what made David Beckham good as a footballer was not that he was the best footballer, but he was the most practiced. He, he, his skill level had been honed to be concise that every time he'd land that ball in exactly the right part, he could bend it 
And we all joke about bend it like Beckham, but the reality is that not that many people were bending the balls in that kind of way. Everyone copies it now. We think it are not unusual when we watch a football match to see the ball do that. I mean, we watch that on baseball and stuff, and they do sliders, and they do, i like, what? But if you've heard anything about cricket, which is the better game, <laughs> Googlies and Yorkies and all those, it's a technique. It's a Yorker. The Yorkie bar, Yorker. Okay, I'm joking. It's supposed to be a joke here. But you see that the reality is the secret things, this is what Deuteronomy 29, verse 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord, but those the things that he reveals are for us and for our children and our children's 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 children. There, there, what Jesus says here in Matthew is that there is supposed to be a seeking into the truth or into the word. There's supposed to be a, a longing. God, your word is supposed to be unpacked. Show me how. What am I supposed to do with your word? Uh, great to hear a testimony. The words this week from the, the right Bible reading plan, exactly what someone needed. But you see, one of the problems I have with the everyday with Jesus, with UCB notes and all the rest of it, is, is not the content, but the way people use them. You may as well have a horoscope. It's a spiritual horoscope. Oh, let me just read up today's reading, and let's just, oh yeah, this is what someone else heard. And it can be as worthless as a horoscope. Because unless you actually listen to the Lord, it's just someone else's word from the Lord. And the thing about horoscopes, they're so general, they could just about fit anything and everybody. And by the way, horoscopes are wrong, if you're not clear about that. <laughs> Let me just tell you, remove them, don't look at them, rip them up, if they're anywhere, get rid of them from Facebook, whatever, anyway. There's nothing wrong with UCB notes, okay? But it's how you use them. How do you appropriate what is there? Does it spark you enough to actually go, Father, I need to see, I need to understand, I need to perceive what that man wrote or woman wrote in those notes. I don't under, I can read it, but it, it needs to become life in me. There needs to be something of reality. There needs to be an unpacking of this, not just me reading what I'm reading. Because the word is not supposed to make sense except by the Holy Spirit. The Word is there to drive you nuts. The Word of God is bonkers to your brain. Let's put it bluntly. You will never get your head round the Word. The Word will always confound you and, and that's why so many people look and go, why is this bit of scripture not working with this bit or that bit? You know, God hates divorce. But Moses wrote that he, it was permitted. So does God hate divorce? Is it permitted? And Jesus said that was because of the hardness of your hearts. In other words, things are going to go wrong. What are you going to do when it goes wrong? Are you going to throw the marriage out, or the person out, 
Are you going to try and live with each other in hatred? Or actually, is God going to be able to begin to tackle and deal with it? Whether you've broken it and it's gone wrong, or whether it's still just about hanging by the thread and God can do something with it. What's the issue? God's mercy. God wants to bring transformation. He wants to repair the brokenhearted, and he wants to restore, if possible, the covenant vows that were made to the wife of your youth. It's, he, he doesn't condemn and go, uh, yeah, you're useless, you're whatever. But the word wants to work with us, but the word takes the Holy Spirit to do something with it. And as we understand that, we, we begin to actually open up our hearts and we realize the issue, the big part is our heart. The miracle that we are believing for, healing, provision, direction, life, whatever it is, all of it requires this thing called my heart to begin to be opened up. Because I don't want to be stone. It says stone is the worst part of a callous heart, isn't it? A callous heart, you know, it's gone harsh, hard. You know, it, there's nothing in it that's going to let anything through. You know, it's, it's, you know, you shake hands with someone, you think, wow, that's like sandpaper. I don't want people coming near me and the word that overflows from my heart being like sandpaper. Because it's out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. So are my words abrasive or are they grace-filled? Because that's the test or the demonstration of my heart and life. Or is it what I really want people to see? You see, thus we can hold up an image, we can say all the right things, but as soon as people touch, as soon as there's contact with a life, you start to see what's happening. Don't worry about baby crying. If you want to, the, um, the green room upstairs, there's the video link. Father wants to give us understanding in the innermost parts. Wants to give us uh, the unpacking. It, it says that the secret things belong to the Lord. So revelation is heart. Faith is of the heart, not the mind. As we start to unpack this a little bit more next week, the miracle that you're looking for has, requires time. It requires preparation. It requires investigation. It requires some other things, water and sunlight, which we're going to get into a little bit next week. But I just, today... What is it that we're expecting? What, what, what are we believing God for? You know, if, if faith, what is faith? I mean, are we having faith in things, in God, or is it faith for things, for God? You know, which is, which is important? Is it our faith that's important? So let's use it. Let's, let's get our faith moving. Or... Is it actually faith in someone? 
If, if, if you've got some money, if anyone's got a five-pound note, just ten-pound note, get it out now. See how many people actually carry any money on them. It's all right. I want you to look at it. You're not going to have it to hand it to me. It's not offering time yet. <laughs> but just get out a five or a ten-pound or a twenty-pound note, okay? Look at it. The front of it, can I just, it's this side. Yeah, it's the bit with the queen's head on, whichever bit of it is. The top of it, it says, I promise to pay the bearer. That promise is a faith statement, isn't it? God says, if my people will pray and humble themselves, I'll heal the land. Most people beat themselves up with that promise. The land is not healed because we are such a dreadful people. Let's whip ourselves and make ourselves feel really bad. When it just says, if you'll pray, things are going to happen. The Bible also says, by his stripes, we were healed. So there's a promise. Something happened that brought our healing. So that 20-pound note, that 10-pound note, we take a worthless piece of paper and can buy something with it. We take God's precious promises... And if a promise written on a piece of paper can buy cars and fridges and holidays, how much more the God-breathed, living, powerful, active, and demonstrated word revealed in Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know the will of the Father, here, let me speak. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. If that word made flesh... The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen the glory of the one and only. What are we supposed to have seen? We've seen how God responds. How God lives. How God operates. If anyone sees the Bank of England gold vaults, you think that piece of paper is usable. In fact, our only reason for using those pieces of paper is we think there's gold there. At least we hope there is. <laughs> or Fort Knox in the States, or wherever it is they store them these days. Our, our basis of this word, of taking it as it says, stands because we know him. Our faith is in him. If you don't have that, you can't have faith for things. The word of God. How can they believe, it says in Romans 10, 14, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? 
It says in Romans 12, 3, don't think of yourself too highly, but think of yourselves in accordance to the measure of faith you have been given. There is a word implanted into you and me. Faith has been put in our hearts so that we begin to believe the one who we are in relationship with. Faith, faith is based on a person. Your faith, my faith, it says the word has been planted into our hearts. So are you good soil or are some things needing to happen? Because today I just want to just ask that question. Are you ready for the miracle that God wants to do in you and through you. As we look at this season, miracle grow, plants popping up. We look at a bunch of flowers that look pretty. They won't look pretty if it stays there. Some other things need to happen. But I wonder today, are you actually ready for God to do a miracle? Or have you gotten so used to things as they are that you have lost sight? Paul writes in Philippians 3.10, and my determined purpose is to become more intimately acquainted with the person of Jesus Christ. My determined purpose. It's what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, because he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There is something God wants to do that does not come automatically just because we hear his word. There is something God is wanting to do with our hearts today that means you've got to put your mind to Side. Not, to, not switched off, but it has to be to the side. It can't be in the front. Lean not on your understanding. Lean not on your understanding. In other words, God's going to do something in these days with us that is going to come out of something more than just listening to the word. You've heard the word today. Are you ready for the miracle? 